0: Good afternoon and welcome to the business community on Calon FM.
1: With Tracy Jones and Heather Noble. This week we couldn't get together to record a show, so we've pulled together a collection of our favourite reviews from the last few months for you. We'll be back next week with our usual show full of news, views, and reviews from the world of business, but in the meantime, enjoy the reviews. Our book review this week is inspired by our topical subject, and we thought we'd have a look around and see what books there were about retail. We came across this cracking little book it 's called "When Humans Stop Shopping" by David Kerrigan and the premise of the book is essentially that people have stopped shopping the way that we they used to, which we've just mentioned in the topical discussion and I think this was probably written before um, Covid but I think we'd already been talking about changes to retail and to the high street before that anyway um, but now I think the the changes have been put under a magnifying glass because these changes have either happened more quickly or are going to happen more deeply than originally thought and so David Kerrigan says that the next few years, we'll see dramatic, further dramatic changes as humans stop shopping altogether, which sort of ties into your MSN, right, in the news stories. Yeah. Um, the idea is that um, humans will let algorithms make their purchase decisions for them. It's, it's just another thing for retailers to be thinking about there's trends at the moment of sustainability there's rentals and the second hand market there's the move to online shopping which we talked about previously which is actually going to grow by a third this year according to the experts so the idea that ai is going to get involved suddenly doesn't seem
0: quite so bizarre as it might have done previously did you like the book heather I did like the book, however, and I, I always say this, I'm quite predictable. I had to read it on the Kindle and I i absolutely loathe reading books like this on the Kindle because I want to put my post-it notes in and, you know, mark the pages and things like that. So I, I really struggle. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's a mental block I've got with the Kindle. However, um, we mentioned that the
1: reason we read it on the Kindle is that its it was at the time, current uh, available on kindle unlimited so we could read it for free so that that's yes,
0: the reason. that was our motivation yes uh, but if you uh, dear listener uh, want to buy a copy of the book it is available in paperback version for 19.99 and i would say that if you work in retail if i if i worked in retail if my business was retail uh, whether online or on the high street i think this would be a really useful book because he talks about trends he talks a lot about generation x generation y you know what motivates people to buy now something we talk about a lot that he covers in this book is the uh, what motivates people to buy what interests uh, what interests people have When they're looking at an organization to buy from. And there's an actual, there's a table um, from a study done by Accenture about what attracts you to buy from certain brands over others beyond price and quality. The brand is important, transparency of the company is important, the way it treats employees is really important, and their environmental uh, policies and um, sustainability is really important and I think that that's something that you know we have covered in the past it is becoming more and more relevant as that generation move forward and and, and we've got these these younger people who are more discerning even though they're attached to their brands so they like their designer labels but there's more pressure for those to be ethical sustainable etc so I thought that was really interesting
1: I think it, it's a good book. It, it claims to offer advice for retailers on how to prepare for what's coming, but also outlines how consumers can utilise technology to find and interact with retailers. But one of the thing that really stood out for me, I highlighted this one, put a big ring around this one on my Kindle, is how much money is spent on personal consumption. More than $1 trillion is spent every month on personal consumption. It's incredible, isn't it? $1 trillion every month. That's absolutely mad, isn't it? And uh, a little less than half of that is spent on products at retail stores and online. And according to the EU, some research done in the EU, Europeans spend between 17 and 35 minutes every day on shopping and personal services.
0: Blimey, that is quite a stat. One thing that, uh, that I, I did just want to mention is that there was a really interesting part of the book uh, where he talks about um, clothing. Uh, that there were, anybody who watches the Sewing Bee, there was there was an amazing statistic quoted on the Sewing Bee the other night that you know there's enough there are enough clothes on the planet to clothe the next six generations or something. You know, bonkers, completely bonkers. Um, and it was talking about landfill and you know. Y- how clothing is is almost disposable um but he talks about the emergence of people using charity shops whereas once upon a time that was frowned upon now it's much more acceptable uh, and also clothing rental where you rent clothes you wear them once or twice and then you send them back and although that sounds a bit bonkers to start with they said that often somebody will buy a piece of clothing wear it once or twice hang it in the wardrobe and then in a big clear out we'll throw it away unless that goes to a charity shop then that is going to landfill Uh, but if you if you rent stuff these these garments are getting worn about 30 or 40 times and then they go to a charity shop or they go back into the textile industry so I thought it's really really interesting something that hadn't even occurred to me
1: So I think all in all, we can recommend this book, Um, particularly if you're in retail. uh, I was fascinated by it. I don't know if not being in retail myself at the moment, whether I would fork out the 20 quid for it myself. I'm glad I've got it on Kindle Unlimited. But I think if you're interested in retail or even in the supply chain involved in retail, I would say it's almost essential reading. And so it's it's called When Humans Stop Shopping. The author is David Kerrigan. And I just want to finish this section with a, a little paragraph from here, just to help you to understand the scale of what retail industry is facing. He says, Consumers will stop shopping in the ways we're familiar with, in the places we expect, at the times we're used to. They'll stop shopping in the ways that our stores, supply chains and cities are built for, In some cases, the stark reality of the future is that humans won't shop anymore. They'll delegate shopping to their digital assistants. The future of retail will be about understanding and meeting consumer needs on their terms, rather than stacking items and hoping they find and buy them. Now, if you needed any reason to buy this book and have a read, I think that paragraph pretty much sums it up. We'll put a link for that on our website,
0: the Business Community. It's interesting, isn't it? Because at the moment, a lot of people are, you know, based at home, working at home. Their day has changed. Their business might have scaled down a little bit. Um, and so, I thought I'd flag up a book that um, that I've had for a while now, and I've dipped in and out of, um, but not really implemented. Any of the things consciously implemented any of the things that I found. And it's from the the, the for dummies range. Um there's you know there's everything for, for dummies, isn't there? Um, this is Marketing for Dummies, um, written by a lady called Jeanette McMurty. And um essentially it it this is an updated version that has taken on board digital marketing and social media, etc. And what it does is it, it shows you how to find um, find a target audience, reach, with, reach out to them, and then engage with them in a way that will bring you in business. Uh, it encourages you to think, and it poses lots of questions and asks you to think, um, you know, who are these people? Like, who are they really? Um, and where, where do they hang out? And what do they care about? What motivates them? And looking at the way that people behave, Uh, and the way that people respond to things how you can test and trial uh, to hone your marketing skills and they talk uh, about turning um, web visibility into traffic, reaching reaching the right people at the right time, deciding on a marketing plan that will suit any budget um, and how to source content um, and how to connect with your community. Um, it's. I mean, I quite like the dummies books because the they let the layout is easy. Um, there's lots of diagrams. There's lots of examples. There's lots of lots of. If you read nothing else, read this bit. You know. So it's it's quite good for um, working your way through. Uh, but for example, what they talk about podcasts and using podcasts as a marketing tool. Um, and of course, you know, here we are um, making a radio show, which we now podcast um, and, and use that, you know, to promote ourselves in our own uh, working lives. So things that you might not you might think, oh, I could never do that. They explain them quite simply and uh, encourage you to, to give it a go. So uh, that's my that's my discovery for this week. It's Marketing for Dummies by Jeanette McMurtry. Have you got the hard copy of that Heather? I have yes, I have oh. uh it is available on Kindle uh but it's just, these books are the sort of books that I like to scribble in um and i, I never do that well but this is more like an exercise but like a um like a textbook you know at school you know where you work your way through yeah. a workbook, yes, there we go um. Rather than read this and then go away and do something, uh, work your way through it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I have the book. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM. And in our discovery section this week, we've done something that we've been, um, we've started to become quite fond of, which is reviewing the same thing, the same book. Two perspectives on the same um the same material and we've done it again and this week we've chosen a book for you that is all about the topical discussion that we've been focusing on which is side hustles and it might not surprise you to know that the title of the book is side hustle written by a guy called chris gilbo i'm reliably informed by my co-presenter is that right tracy well i
1: had to watch a few videos to try and get the pronunciation right It, it looks like it should be pronounced differently so i'm glad i did look at the videos so
0: gilbo or gillybo seems to be the way to pronounce it right okay well it's lovely it's a bright yellow book so it's jolly uh, i opted to buy the hard copy i bought the kindle version right okay and i think that's that's frequently frequently happens with the two of us i'm much more attached to owning the it must be my insecurity owning the hard copy of the book um you you're you're happier reading stuff on a kindle aren't you
1: no no i i think i can explain that one by saying i'm impatient ah (laughs) ah okay i wanted the book there and then as soon as we decided we were going to review it i wanted to start reading it
0: right okay well i have to admit as soon as mine arrived i I felt the same way as a book i love it I, i i think it's it's great Um, the official title is side hustle, build a side business and make extra money without quitting your day job. This guy's also written a book called the $100 startup. So I think he knows his stuff. But the way that the book is written, um, for somebody who likes instant gratification, basically, it's not just an index. He's got a list of the contents. And then he says there's a 27 day plan. And these are the things that we're going to look at each of the 27 days. So having just read those first few pages, I think I already know what I'm going to be doing.
1: <laughs> Do uh, you know what I liked? One of the first things that I highlighted in the Kindle is it said, the guide is designed for the busy and impatient.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the two of us covered, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We're both busy. We're both impatient. We both just want to know how to make, how to make money. But I think it's laid out beautifully. What What were your first impressions, Tracy? Yes. So the
1: layout is good on the Kindle. Sometimes we find there's a, a bit of a problem translating a good um, hard copy book to a Kindle. But I found the layout w- was just right. And yeah, I like the 27 day guide. And it's it's nicely laid out. In there's bullet points, there's sections marked off, there's little summaries. It's really easy to follow and it took me along, uh, you know, it it isn't a story, but it led me along as if it was a story. Mm. I felt like I wanted to get to the end of it to find out. And some really good advice along the way. Nothing, it's not reinventing the wheel with any of this stuff. It's not stuff that you will have not heard somewhere else before. We've said this often about these sorts of books, haven't we? It's not a brand new idea but it's just another way to get you to think about something and and packaging it up in a way that gets you taking action, which is one of the main things that he says it's really important. The side hustle isn't just an idea. You've got to take action as well. And the, the guide through the 27 days includes prompts to take action
0: yeah and i and i think that he leads you through that journey so when you start thinking about what could oh i wonder if there's something that i could do that immediately puts 150 questions in your mind and you don't really know which ones relate to which whereas he gives you some structure and he says right think about these things now okay now that you've thought about that now let's think about the next stage and he um he talks about uh understanding what your offering might be who your customer might be what they what problem you're solving what do they want to hear how do you monetize it you know how rapidly do you take somebody on the journey to buying your your product or your service um overcoming procrastination
1: um, what the ideas and, that I, I liked that he introduced I again i'd heard before but he presented it in such a way that made me smile was the difference between a starter idea and a next level idea did you like that one i don't remember specifically you tell me about it yes so there's two examples that he used one is the starter idea is for your side hustle you drive for uber
0: but the next
1: level idea he talks about this guy who started off driving for uber but then went on to be a coach for other uber drivers okay that next level another example is the starter idea is you sell your own stuff the next level idea is you buy other people's stuff and then resell for a higher price
0: yeah yeah. as well
1: as these ideas he does give real life examples or i assume they're real life examples he could have
0: completely made them up but they had did have a ring of truth about them one of the things that i think a lot of people find difficult if they are starting a business, if they have got an idea and they want to move it forward, is asking for help. At the earliest stages. is asking your family and friends for help. You know, a lot of us, we think, I've had a great idea. I don't need anybody to help me. I'm going, you know, I'll just crack on and do it. And actually asking people for help, we're often afraid that they're going to say, ooh, you don't want you don't want to give up your job, you, you know, you don't want to work for yourself, you know, you have all the risk and you know, none of the reward and all of that sort of thing. And, and, and very often we find that really challenging to run something past a trusted friend, a trusted pair of ears, pair of eyes. But it is really, really important. I'm not suggesting that you go down the hole. Um, I've got a product, will you buy it from me as my best friend? Or will you have a party to sell my product, you know, that's a whole different business model. It's a side hustle model, but it's not necessarily the right one for everybody. He talks about ask 10 people for help as a minimum. Any large organization does market research before they launch a new product. They run focus groups before they change packaging, you name it. Doesn't mean that we have to do it on that scale, but if we can find some nearest and dearest who we know won't give us give us what we want to hear but will give us what we need to hear i think that's a really important part of moving something forward i think that's a really good point isn't it and we talk about
1: this when we talk about networking as well don't we as you don't ask the people you're networking with to buy your product the point is to ask them for help because actually people like to help they like yes. to help you to find answers to problems and and to generally be thought of as helpful so you can ask your family and friends to help if you ask yeah. them to buy your product they'll soon get fed up of you they might yeah. start ignoring your calls might they yeah
0: yeah exactly and I think that everybody has a different perspective on the same thing so if you, you know, if you've got a, a pen and you say, do you want to buy this pen? You know, somebody will say, well, I would buy it if you did it in red. And somebody else would say, oh, it's red. I don't want it. Oh, do you do it in yellow? You know, whatever. Or is it, what is it biro? Is it ink? Is it this? Is it that? And and those where you get the things that you might not have considered that other people might want, because you can pretty much guarantee that if those 10 people come up with something, then there are going to be hundreds of other people who, who will. Yeah. But a lovely book and if the book in itself isn't enough, he gives you some nice little um, tips at the, at the end. It's, it's like a free gift. It um, gives you some appendices and you, you, you think, well, I, you know, I've got everything that I need to know. Oh no, a side hustle starter kit. How to use, how to test Facebook advertising with $10. Some really tangible, useful sound piece of advice. And how much is yeah. the book? uh 8.99 i
1: paid 4.99 for my kindle version and i would really recommend it because it doesn't make it seem complicated makes it very achievable for the ordinary person just for example a list of things that you need and what you don't need so the two things that you need are the right frame of mind and the willingness to act And the things you don't need, you don't need much money, you don't need much time, you don't need a business degree or any kind of specialised education. In fact, I recall he said that sometimes that can get in the way. Uh, You don't need employees, assistants or business partners and you don't need experience of starting a business. So the main thing is you have the right frame of mind and you're actually prepared to get up and do things. And I thought that the way he structured it into weeks and then into the days in those weeks they were all quite achievable and not doing too much in one day either it was broken down into nice little chunks so if you are doing um, a full-time job at the same time you you know you're not going to be overwhelmed as we talked about previously and and compromising your main job so that is
0: side hustle by chris gilbo published by pan And um, it's got a nice picture of a motorbike and sidecar. And the sidecar is um, full of sacks of dollars. Uh, So the front cover, it's bright yellow. I think we would both say we recommend it.
1: Yep, very much so. Okay, so I was caught by a headline in The Guardian last weekend. Um, It said, improve your relationships with advice from counter-terrorism experts. Oops. So I I read on a little further and it's talking about a book. Now, this book is written by um, a couple of people who specialise in communication and cooperation with criminal suspects. But the point of the book is to say that their methods work at home and, more to the point for this show, at work too. So the book is called Rapport, The Four Ways to Read People by Lawrence and Emily Allison. just so happens that I also found out that they live in North Wales as well. So equally valid for a business show based in North Wales. Emily is a behavioural advisor and clinical supervisor to organisations working with domestic violence. And Lawrence, her husband, is a professor of psychology at the University of Liverpool and head of the Centre for Critical Incident Decision Making. Now that sounds serious, doesn't it? And the book reframes the advice that they've been sharing with the police and with security forces for 20 odd years. They're making it relevant to home and to work. And the, the key, they say, to counterterrorism is rapport. I.e. forming a connection, one built on empathy, where the power balance is shared, and that is apparently the key to not only getting terrorists to talk, but also teenagers. <laughs> oh crikey! <laughs> yeah. And and I imagine then difficult employees as well. So they say they went on to say that Hollywood films are misleading. The interrogation scenes invariably have threats, coercion or tricking a prisoner into giving something away that they didn't intend to. And Allison says that, the, the, sorry, Allison, the Allisons, they, there are two of them, um, they say that torture and coercion are wholly ineffective. Establishing rapport is not only the bedrock of successful relationships, but also provides the best path to securing information from difficult people. So Lawrence said, if someone has information and you want it, it's up to them to decide whether to give it to you or not. They have got the power. So this means that the interrogator needs to be humble, even submissive. And then they take a back seat, relinquish the reins, and they're far far more likely to get those people to talk. And he said that the reason some interrogators find that hard is purely down to their ego. Mm. If you're being strategic and tactical, why should that threaten your ego? It's a very good point, isn't it? And in the book, they go on to explain some, some more details. I think it's well worth a read. They talk about the acronym called HEAR: Honesty, always tell the truth. Empathy. Imagine how it was when you were... teenager or how you might feel if you were a terrorist or the difficult imagine imagine that Um, autonomy respect the right of others uh, in their to have their um, say in the conversation and also reflection feedback the essence of what has been said to you as you're hearing it and get to give the other person an opportunity to clarify their position and It sounds like there's so much information in this book that it's a must have if you're certainly if you're a negotiator or if you're dealing with with people. In any way, or if you've got a teenager, to be honest, let's. let's (laughs) That's why
0: you're interested. You've got
1: two. Absolutely. The key to their approach is recognising what sort of communicator you're dealing with. And then they go on to describe people as being split into four animal types. I won't go into the detail now, but they they talk about every interaction having these four different styles based around the lion, the mouse, the Tyrannosaurus Rex and the monkey it sounds absolutely fascinating and um, I would say that one of the reviews on um, that they've got on the website is from Malcolm Gladwell so I don't think you could get much better than that he says that Lawrence Allison is one of my academic heroes he does what every writer longs to do he makes the difficult clear without losing his rigour so that sounds like an excellent uh, interesting book whether you're dealing with count uh, with um, terrorists or whether you're dealing with teenagers or difficult employees, it's called "Report: The Four Ways to Read People" by Lawrence and Emily Allison. You're listening to The Business Community on Calon FM, And this week, as I was browsing through my Kindle Unlimited store, this book cover jumped out at me because it was so bright and appealing. And the title of the book itself was intriguing. It's called Beyond Llamas, Rainbows and Year-End Parties. And it's written by a lady called Lucia Abugatas. I hope I've pronounced that correctly. As usual with these things... Um, we might be a little bit dodgy on the pronunciation however our mutual admiration for this book cannot be questioned uh, the subtitle of the book is effective and collaborative HR throughout the employee journey now Heather what did you think when I suggested this book to
0: you I I really um I was distracted by the llamas and and I sort of wondered well where the heck is this going to go um and and the cover of the book itself is quite quirky um but I I I was not skeptical but I thought okay I don't really know what I'm going to get from this book how it's you know what it's going to be talking about but I actually really loved it I I think it's um now okay it might be for some people it might be seen as fairly entry level in terms of if you're a, a HR professional However, the way that it's written, it's done as a, as a story, essentially, and you know how we like stories, uh, makes it really easy to, to reflect and think about how you conduct HR support, if, if you are a HR, if you have a relationship with HR. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it comes, from, it comes from all angles. What did you think? I mean, yeah. Does that sound fair?
1: I think you 're right it does come in at a very basic level, but i don 't think that 's a bad thing, uh, even if you 've been in h r for years it, or, or any subject really if you 've been immersed in it for years sometimes it 's really good to bring yourself back to basics and to relook at things and She does this in a, a really good way by she 's telling the story of one particular person 's experience in a company and what i quite liked as well is she she does a profile of this person but she does a a, a profile of all of the other people involved in her experience and she goes through um, all of the employee journey from um, recruitment all the way through to off-boarding and picks out highlights and pain points for that experience not just for the employee but also for the HR department and also for the managers involved. And I thought it was really interesting tool to make you think from everybody's point of view. And that's the key thing, not just looking at it as a manager criticising HR or looking at it as an HR manager criticising everybody else, but looking at all of them and going, yeah, all of your complaints are valid. Now, let's see how we can improve the situation for everybody involved. So I thought it was really, really lovely. But the thing that really, the, the point at which I recommended it to you, Heather, was, um, was right at the beginning where she was explaining how she'd come up with the book. And um, she'd, she'd heard Keith H. Hammonds um, with um, this article called Why We Hate, Why We Hate. HR. I can't say that coming from Stoke. <laughs> Too many H's. Why we hate HR. And I, that just it really struck a chord and made me think, right, okay, that what we're trying to do here is, is address a lot of the preconceived ideas there are about HR. And, and that is indeed what the book ended up doing.
0: Did you feel the same? Yeah, definitely. I think she, um, I think she sets the scene brilliantly, because she talks a lot about, and and I think I've witted on about this in the past, the whole idea of soft skills, softy skills, uh, and then the hard skills, you know, so there's data, of course, and you need to be looking at indicators and measuring stuff. But HR is often classed as, oh, it's a bit, you know, a bit flaky, a bit soft and fluffy. When in actual fact, it isn't. It's absolutely fundamental to the reputation of the business, the success of the business, um, and the the contentment and um, satisfaction of the staff. Because you know, a well rewarded, satisfied workforce who feel invested in will invest in that business. Um, so I think she did a really good job of drawing the comparisons that some people might either think about. their own role as a hr professional or think about the hr department within their organization so she dispels some myths and i think that's really clever the way that she does that um she also one of the parts that i like is that when she's setting out um the character and she gets us to know the character she she puts um you know that i'm involved with with myers briggs but she she puts some of the stresses, some of the indicators Uh, that her that the character's personality has and then the team around her and so she very is very good at highlighting where you might where one person might press her buttons or she might press somebody else's buttons and then that is summarized and then she gives you a learning point at the end of each chapter and I think that's really helpful things to think about to apply she also, it's sort of like a little workbook
1: in that respect, isn't it? Because she's she provided a little space for you to write in there. Now, because I got a digital version of this, I wasn't able to do that. But I thought those reflective exercises at the end were, were really valuable, particularly when she was talking about the experience of um, managers, and uh, i i personally reflected on this um exceptional managers and good managers and bad managers and and she was sort of saying that exceptional managers were a bit like unicorns and uh, i was reflecting back on my own experiences through life and um she, she gave the traits of exceptional managers with four main characteristics. They were fair and respectful. They listened and cared for me on a professional and personal level. They shared their knowledge and they trusted me completely to do my work. Now, isn't that lovely to have a manager that's like that? Should, a lot of people end up with a manager that's lacking a, a couple of the elements of that, which is complete trust towards the work. And knowledge sharing. So I, I, that did ring a bell with me. And then a bad manager, she described as having four main traits misalignment between the walk and the talk, don't we just hate that? Yeah. Roller coaster moods, one day they love you, the other day they hate you. They micromanaged and they bullied people. And I, I think we can all think of managers in the past that we've experienced a mixture of all of those. And I think that. Personally, that reflection was the most useful for me through that book, together with um, highlighting the fact that there were pain points for different groups. And so you you learn to empathise with the, right. you know, it's easy for you to sit there and go, well, you know, you you might be complaining, hiring manager, but you didn't read the instructions, but actually understanding where their pain point came from and how you could perhaps... um, Come together to make the situation better uh, with both of you i mean that might not be reality and that you you empathize with the other group but i i found that was a really interesting um take from the book
0: yeah i mean i'm not a hr um professional uh i have a friend who is and i have bought a copy of this book for her because i think that she probably won't learn anything from it but It might have some mechanisms and some reminders in there that she can utilize when she's working with her clients. Not least that right at the beginning. And this is only this book's only 100 pages long. I mean, you know, it's not um, it's not a great big tome that's going to take you weeks and weeks to read. And it's very easy. She's very funny. But right at the beginning, she puts in a reading list and I had a scoot round looking at some of the things that she's recommending and they're not it's not necessarily books that you need to buy they're probably articles as much as yeah. anything uh, and I thought that was really a, a really generous thing to do and a really useful thing to do because the types of articles that she's suggesting you know you can you can read you can read the works of Carl Jung uh, you know or you can read um, an article on Forbes you know it's You can go in as deep and uh, detailed as you like, or you can choose something that's just a bit more uh, day to day operational. Uh, And I just thought that was that was a really good uh, part of the book because it was extensive and interesting. And I did spend some time reading some articles. Uh, Yeah, I I love it. I think it's a great book. You've been listening to The Business Community with me, Heather Noble. And me, Tracy Jones. Join us next week for more news, views and reviews from the world of business.